Good morning, family, and thank you for tuning in with us today. It was such a delight seeing each and every one of you last week at the Spring drive through And we want to remind you that next week we are having a communion service, so please have your elements ready before the service starts. This week we continue our journey through the book of Colossians, where Pastor Louis is going to be speaking about going up under pressure instead of living down to the wisdom of the world. So let's open up our hearts and get ready to worship together. as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen.
him, you heavens and all that's above. Praise him, you angels and heavenly hosts. Let the whole earth praise him. Praise him, the sun, moon, and bright shining stars. Praise him, you heavens and waters and skies. Let the
victorious Lord of all hosts and in your freedom will
Jesus, we thank you that you are more than enough, that everything we need, we are found in you. And therefore, it is a joy for us to come and bring our lives to you, to come and kneel at the altar, to worship you, to lift up your name, because you are so good and you are so gracious and kind to us. Thank you, Lord, that as we go into the word now, that your spirit is with us, that you lead us, you guide us. I pray that you'll speak to each and one of us so clearly and help us in this time of uh, knowing that which we need to know and to, to know more and more fully to know you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So great to have you with us this morning. Uh, I would want to ask you to get ready right now. We're going to take up the offering. And as we always do, just follow the prompts on the screen and it'll guide you through the process where you can either pay into the bank account or you can use SnapScan. And again, just so amazing how generous, how faithful our community is. Uh, in giving and supporting us uh, during this time and uh, enabling us to do so much. So why don't you get ready and just give and worship the Lord in this way also. 
Next week, we're going to have a special Sunday and we're going to have communion together. So I'd like to remind you to please get your communion elements ready for next Sunday. Letzolo is going to be preaching and uh, he's going to be leading us into communion also. So won't you have the elements ready uh, so that when he comes to that section, you as a family or whoever you are with and watching and enjoying the service together, or if you're watching as a community group, then you can enjoy communion, communion together. So uh, look forward to that. It's going to be a great time. Well, it's my privilege to share the word with you again today, and we're busy with a series entitled Under Pressure. The reason I gave that title to the series is because we're living in such a unique time. I mean, we've all been through times where we're experiencing pressure because of things that are happening around us and because of the events of life. But the unique element to this is there's no person that is not experiencing pressure because of the changes and the, the, the challenges the world is going through. The pandemic of COVID-19 affects everybody, uh, directly or indirectly, whether it affects your health, whether it affects your income, your livelihood, your, your way of life, your, just in so many ways, education, everything is affected by it. And it's putting pressure on us. Um, just the reality of what the world's going through, it's, it's the, I don't think there's a person at the moment that can ignore it. We're all having to adjust. We're all having to deal with it. We're all having to, to think, how am I living life? And we're all having to respond to the pressure that this reality puts on us right now. And, and that's so great that we can go to the book of Colossians and read a, in a context where people were going through a similar thing. Just to remind you again, for those uh, that wasn't with us last week also, that uh, the book of Colossians was written by Paul to a church in the town of Colossae, which used to be before Christ, a number of centuries before Christ, a big city, a, a place that was on the up and where lots were happening, economy because of a particular wool they had and because of the, or die of a wool they had and because they were on a main trade route. But by the time we, we read the book of Colossae uh, in about 60 after Christ, somewhere around there, it's become a smaller town. Because the economy is dwindling, they had an earthquake, a 20 after Christ, round about there, 17 after Christ, and that severely impacted that town. The trade route moved, they're no longer next to a main route, so they were at a, a, a context of decline. The church was also facing pressure because of just many teachings that were around and people that were trying to tempt them to go back into Judaism and others that were trying to tempt them to go into Greek mysticism and many things that were going on, and so it was a, a community that was under pressure. And Paul writes to them to help them to do the right things, to not only stand in the pressure and to stay standing, but to continue to flourish and do well. Because he, has, he didn't plant the church himself, but he came aware of them because of the excellency of their faith. And he was commending them for the great job they were doing in serving Jesus in faith, hope, and love. And uh, he's saying to them, continue on. And then he's giving them pointers. Last week, we spoke about dig deeper, dig deeper into knowing Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about going up as the second strategy. Uh, for, for dealing with a time of pressure and standing firm in our faith and excelling even in our faith. And uh, I'm going to read with you from Colossians 2, and um, we're going to start today in Colossians 2 and verse 6. So a little bit overlap from last week, and then we're going to pick up just some of the amazing things that Paul is saying. And that I believe that's really helpful for us in this day, that we are under pressure. How do we respond to the pressure that we are facing? So let's read Colossians 2 from verse 6 together. So then, 
Just as you received Christ, Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. So continue. Remember last week we said, Paul saying to them, you don't need to know new things to do well under pressure. It's to dig deeper in what you already know about Jesus and who Jesus is. To know Jesus better. We spoke about epinosis, the word to know, to know fully, to know complete. Paul is saying continue in that. And um, to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Stay firm, stay strong in the Lord Jesus. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And, and I want to say to each of us, in this time, the pressure may be coming on from the outside. But God has put in you the, the resources through the Spirit of God, by the power of the Lord Jesus, to deal with the pressure. Just dig deeper into that. Just dig deeper into who Jesus is in your life. And, um, and you will see yourself having the ability to deal with the pressure. He continues on to say to them in verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Very interesting thought here. He says to the Colossians, you're doing well, you're standing in your faith, but be careful. There are forces at work, people at, at play that wants to distract you from what you are standing on, that want to capture you. And the word he uses here is, the, is, is like a kidnapping. It's the, it, there's people and there's forces that wants to come and kidnap you, remove you and take you into their power and make you subject to their ideas and their thoughts and their philosophies. And he says, be very careful of what wants to capture you. And I want to say to you, even the strongest believers in a, in a time such as this, we, we've got to be careful and heed Paul's command and heed his warning just to say, be careful that you don't get caught up in things because you're feeling the pressure and you're trying to figure out how do I respond and what's the right way to live and how do I secure my future? Even strong believers can, can start turning and, and, and just allow space for things that if, you, if, if it takes root in your heart will, will completely lead you astray and take you away from the, the strength that you have in the Lord Jesus. And once you do that, once you start following after those things that are trying to capture you, your life will become weaker and weaker and weaker. Not immediately, but slowly over a period of time you'll see that. So Paul says, just be careful. Don't get captured. And, and he uses the word here that's the only time in the New Testament that this word is used, the word philosophy. He says that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Paul is not against philosophy. I mean, Paul was well-versed in the philosophies of the day. We see that in, in his discussions in Mar, on Mars Hill. He knew the philosophies of both Judaism and the Gentiles, uh, the Greeks and the Romans. He was well-versed in philosophy. He's not saying a Christian shouldn't know philosophy, but He's saying we should watch out for deceptive philosophy. I think sometimes Christians think that any form of philosophy is dangerous. No, no, no. I mean, if I had to believe that, we'd be in trouble. I've got two philosophy students in my house, one at graduate and one at postgraduate level. And Natasha is studying a master's in philosophy. And uh, it, it's really helpful to understand the philosophies of this world. I loved what Norman Giesler said. He said, um, we, we cannot properly beware of philosophy, as Paul asks us here, unless we be aware of philosophy. So to be aware of the, the, the deceptions, you have to be aware of what, what it is. And um, a, a guy by the name of David L. Moshe uh, wrote in a book, St. Paul and Philosophy, and he says the following, If by philosophy we mean the search for clarity and understanding the whole of reality, then the Christian must, in a sense, philosophize. If we want to understand life, it's worthwhile for the Christian to, to dig into these things and to the, the understanding of reality. However, 
If by philosophy we mean human speculations regarding man's basic questions about without due respect to the revelation of God, then the Christian no doubt will accord this philosophy a greatly diminished relevance to his life and calling. We're not scared of philosophy and people that philosophize because if there's a, a real searching for truth, it always leads to Jesus because he is the truth. But there's philosophy that happens where people are disregarding God and wanting to diminish his importance. And that's the dangerous things. That's where it starts deceiving and leading us astray. Um, somebody once said, it's a famous quote, it says, False philosophy is like a blind man looking in a dark room for a black cat that isn't there. It just is not, there's no hope for it to lead you towards any truth. So Paul says, don't be captured. And the thing is, don't be captured in your mind, in your thinking. And that's so often where the enemy comes. When we're under pressure and we're feeling and we're having to adjust and we're saying, how do I deal with life? How do I respond? It's, it's there that we, that we reach into the thinking and the, our worldview and how we see life. And, and then we go and we say, now, how do I respond? And it reveals what is really in our hearts and in our minds in times of pressure. And that's why we want to make sure that we are firmly rooted and established in Christ, as Paul writes here. The, 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 just let me continue to read that. Uh, so the see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the eternal spiritual forces or elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And we've got to know that there are forces at play that that don't honor Christ and wants to remove you from that which is your strength. That is the rock that you're standing on. The Colossians were facing four particular challenges in their in, in, in teachings that were they were facing at the time these four just to me for to mention them quickly and uh, and then we'll see how Paul responds to them is the first one is they were facing their temptation to look for higher knowledge higher knowledge in the day was Gnosticism it's this so-called scientific archaeological or paleontological facts and special revelations that claim to be on par with Scripture and, te uh, and the teachings that directly contradict Scripture. It's looking for extra knowledge that we say, uh, it, you know, all truth is not in God. We need other truth also. But you and I as believers know that all truth is in God. There's truth that's not in Scripture. But Scripture and what it points us to Jesus forms the foundation for all truth. And uh, we have to understand that, that there's no special knowledge that, that contradicts Scripture in, in terms of the, the value of life of Scripture and what Scripture says about God and who God is and how we live in Him. There's no other knowledge that, that we cannot stand on a biblical foundation and reach. The second temptation was external activity, which is legalism. They were facing a temptation by some Jewish people that were trying to call them back to observance of the law to win God's favor. And um, that they, they were saying to them that they needed to add the law to the saving power of Jesus in their lives. That, that the saving power of Jesus wasn't enough. They needed to have some law to complete the, the, the deal in terms of to be saved. Then the, the third one is what I would call deeper sensitivity or mysticism or deeper spirituality. A mysticism, teachings that certain mediators or special experiences is needed so that we can have a full relationship with God. Things that are outside of Jesus, other things that we need. If we want to have a rich spiritual and a deep spiritual experience, in Jesus there's not enough. We need some other things also. And then the fourth one is greater abstinence, uh, which is called asceticism. Uh, 
There was, a, there was a belief that abstaining from things to earn merit with God, that you had to treat your body harshly and keep away from certain things, and that would earn you merit with God. It was, for instance, like fasting to force God's hand or to put yourself in isolation so that you may appear holy or self-mutilation to mortify the body and to bring it under subjection. These were some of the things that they were facing. Now, these were particularly in the Colossians uh, situation. But I think if you, if, you, if you understand it a bit better, it's quite amazing how it speaks into our time and some of the challenges that we face. And that's what I would like to do now as we read the rest of the scripture. In Colossians 2 verse 9 to 12, Paul writes the following to the Colossians. And, and in this section that, that I'm going to read for you, he deals with legalism and asceticism. Legalism, there's, there's law that you need to add to the saving power of Jesus. Asceticism, there's things that you must stop doing so that, you will, so that you'll be in God goods book. God goods, God's good books. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so he writes in Colossians 2 verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Remember last week I said this is the central idea of the book of Colossians. That in the deity of Christ is the full expression of who God is. He is the essence of God. You cannot find more godliness than in Jesus. There's nothing godly that Jesus doesn't possess or have. So Come to Him. That's, the, that's coming to the source. That's coming to the, the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega. There's, he encompasses everything. You can't find anything about God and who God is and how to live a godly life outside of Jesus. That's what He's saying. Jesus, and if we're in Jesus, therefore we can be complete in Jesus because we've come to the source. There's nothing else we need. He is the head over every power and authority. There's no power and authority higher than the authority of Jesus. Jesus is the highest authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried uh, with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your, the, through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, here he's speaking particularly to, to the Jewish part of the audience of Colossae. It was a, a church mixed between Jews and Gentiles. But the Jewish people, there was this pull towards legalism to go back to the law. And what Paul is literally saying to says is that through Jesus you've been united with God. And why go back to a lesser law? Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law. Jesus is bigger than the law. Jesus has, has superseded the law in us. He fulfilled the law. So now I've got Jesus. I've got everything I need in him. He has united me with God. I'm in right standing with God because of who Jesus is and because of Jesus' sacrifice. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm now close with God. I've, I've got it. Why go back to the law to try and earn your right to be close to God, if Jesus already gave it to you. That, that just makes no sense. There's, there's, there's no purpose, there's no value in adding anything to Jesus. Is G, if Jesus is the complete picture, if the sacrifice of Jesus, when G, remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. It's done. Nothing else is needed. No more Sacrifice needs to be added to the sacrifice of Jesus for my life to be restored with God. It's done. Now we want to come and say, well, okay, we, mu we must be circumcised um, because that, that, that will really strengthen our faith in Jesus. No, I have full access to everything in God through Jesus. So I'm not going to spend my time and energy trying to figure out what other laws I must keep to be in good standing with God if, if, if all I need to do 
is love Jesus and live in Jesus and give my life to Jesus and have him as my Lord and Savior. That's where my focus and my energy should be. I can't divide my energy and, and give some a little bit less. You know, it's sometimes it feels like Christians believe there's, there's an economy class Christianity and then there's the first class Christianity or the VIP section. And when you receive Jesus, you got the basic package. You sort of got the entry-level package, you know. You've got the economy class seat. Now, Natasha and I have flown many times, and we've had a couple of occasions where we were really privileged that they upgraded us to business class. And you, I mean, business class, fantastic. The, the best thing about business class, flying business class, particularly on long-haul flights, is the bed. That you can stretch out, you can sleep. Oh, it's like fantastic. The problem is, the next time you go and you're flying, and they don't upgrade you, and you end up back in economy class, you're consistently looking down that aisle, peering through that curtain and going, that's where I should be. That's, that's the place I should be. You know what you're missing. And you're thinking, can I, what must I do? Is there a way? Is there a loyalty program? Or what can I do so that I can be there? And sometimes it's like Christians have this, okay, I got the entry package now into Christianity because of the work of Jesus. But what more do I need to do so that I can get the, the full experience, so that I can have the VIP package or the, the first class seat? No. In Jesus, Jesus made, gave us everything. We are co-heirs with Christ, the scripture says. We are seated with God in heavenly places. There's nothing more then we can get outside of Jesus. He has made everything available to us. If you want to experience more of your faith and Christianity, that's what we spoke about last week. You dig deeper in Jesus and in who He is and, and His godliness and, and relationship with Him. And you don't need something new, something extra. And that's what Paul is saying to these people. You're looking for something else to give you more. There is nothing more than what you can get in Jesus. Then he continues, still dealing with the legalism and asceticism in verse 13 to 15. He says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, uh, triumphing over them by the cross. He said the cross became this deal breaker. It's the moment where everything changed, completely changed. The, the picture he uses here is that there was a charge against me. I, I was indebted. I owed, because of my sin, I owed. I owed the law my life, the, the law of sin and death. I owed. And, uh, but when Jesus came and died on the cross, that debt was canceled completely. The language he uses actually refers to in the time they did a lot of writing on wax tablets. They'd have these wooden tablets with wax in it that was pigmented. And then they would write on it, you know, like their notepads was that, that you know. Not like we have today with, you know, this is our, how we write. They wrote with a, on a wax tablet. So they also had tablets, but you know, not as fancy as ours. But, and when, when somebody wanted to wipe out something, they would just smear it on the, on the wax with their hand, and it would wipe out what they wrote. That's the picture he uses here. He says there was, a, there was a charge, a bill that was written in your name. And when Jesus died on the cross, he wiped that out. And when he uses the language, when he, when he says... Um, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having armed the dis the, disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. It's also this idea that because of our sin, we had, like, you know, we had bad stuff. And the enemy was trying to blackmail us with 
the, the secrets of our lives, the, the sins we've had. And he was constantly saying, well, you know, he was holding it against us and, and using it to have power and leverage over our lives because we had sin in our lives. And he would say, yeah, you, you see, if only people knew this about you, if only people knew this. And I think every one of us goes through times like that, don't we? Where we think, wow, you know, if people just knew what's, what I really struggle with. And, and, and the enemy comes and he used to have power over you because he knew the, the, the sins of your life. But do you know that in Jesus, Jesus came and he nailed all of that sin to the cross. And he said, there's nothing, there's no sin that you and I have done or will still do that, that he doesn't know about. And that's not included in the payment on the cross. It was all nailed to the cross. There's no blackmail possible anymore. The enemy cannot stand before God or before anyone and say, well, you, you didn't know about this, Lord God. Did you, did you know that this was also what he did? If he does that, Jesus would just say it's paid. There's no charge. Jesus paid it all. And I love uh, what, it's, what, what uh, that Vaughan writes in his commentary about what Paul writes here when he says, triumphing over them by the cross. He says the following, the cross was an instrument of death, the symbol of Christ's defeat. And when the enemy had cross on the Christ, uh, a Christ on the cross, he felt that he has won the victory. He has defeated Christ. He embarrassed him. He humiliated him. But we know that Paul presents the cross as Christ's chariot of victory. And the enemy and the powers that are based on sin have become public spectacles because God has won the victory over them. Now, if that's the truth, if our sin was taken care of on the cross, why are we still trying to pay for it? Why are we still trying to find out ways that, that to cover my sin? It's like being Paul, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden thinking that fig leaves are going to do it. It's not. It's useless activity. There's nothing in my life that's not covered by the blood of Christ. So I want to know Jesus and Him crucified. I want to know Him in my life. I want to everything in my life submitted to the cross. I'm not going to submit some of my life to the cross and then try and the rest of it I'm going to take care of and cover. Because I can't. It's useless exercise to do that. And that's what Paul is saying to the Colossians. He's saying, when you try and go into legalism or asceticism and trying to think that you're going to do things to get God's favor, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your life and you're wasting your energy and you, you're spending energy and time and effort on something that has no fruit while you could be focusing on Jesus. And that, I think, is so powerful. So each and every one of us as believers, we are, our sin has been taken care of in Christ. There's, there's no more payment needed. There's nothing more we have to do. In verse 16 and 17, he rounds up this section where he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Paul says, all these rituals from the Old Testament and, and that the Jews used to do, they, they had purpose. Their purpose was they were pointing to Jesus. Remember last week I said epinosis is, is now knowing something close up experientially that you used to see from afar. The Old Testament and its, and its laws and rituals was pointing to the Messiah that was going to come. And we got to know a lot about Jesus through the Old Testament. And it certainly has value in all of those things. But we have to understand they were there to point us to Jesus. Why would you now go back to the pointing to Jesus if you can actually know Jesus? It's like wanting to see the advert 
of a place you want to go on holiday to, but you never go on holiday. You just watch the advert the whole time. It makes no sense. We know Jesus. We know him completely. We know him fully. Why would we want to go back to the things that, that were trying to tell us about him if we can know him? That's what Paul is saying. Now we go to the, the second section here from verse 18 where he now deals with the mysticism. The spiritual special experiences and revelation and, and messengers or mediators that we need in our lives so that we can know more and be more spiritual. He writes about this. He says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So here he deals with the mysticism and the Gnosticism, the special knowledge, the special spiritual experiences. There's two things that he particularly highlights. He says, he talks about that there are, there are, are, are angels and visions. The angels refers to mediators, but go between, between me and God. He's saying that these people are trying to tell you that if you want to know God, you need to have somebody else or some other mediator help you to know God. That's the angels that he refers to, and then he refers to visions. And visions, or as it's put in the NIV that I read, or what they have seen. In other translations, it talks about vision. Talk about these special knowledge, these revelations, these new revelations that people got that are, that are not about Jesus, but that are other things that they're saying, well, it's great that you know Jesus, but you also need to know this. If you're going to get close to God, if you're going to know God, you have to have these special revelations and experiences also. Jesus is not enough. And um, what he refers to partly is there was a, a, a reality or precedent in Jewish uh, history that was called a, a movement that was called the Merkaba mysticism. And the Merkaba mysticism comes from Ezekiel 1. Remember when Ezekiel saw the chariot of God and the throne of God and the fire and um, everything. And, and this mysticism developed in the, in, in the Jewish, wider Jewish community as a, as a way to tell people, if you want to get that close to God, where you see the throne and you see the, the, the fire and the chariots of God, you want to see that special revelation. They were teaching their people certain things that they had to do to get to such a state where they can have the special revelation. Revelation. This teaching spoke of days of fasting to prepare for a journey to see God and have visions and his angelic host in worship. One, could, one needed to withdraw and eventually go directly into the presence of God. Um, this teaching emphasized the humility of ascetic practices, you know, uh, scourging your body, visions, the rigors of devotion, treating the body harshly, and rules about what should be eaten or what days should be observed. And so there was this, this tradition in Jewish faith that if you really wanted to know God, you had to do these things. Now, this was coming back into the Colossians also. And, and some of the Colossians had received Jesus, but now they're saying, well, if I really want to go deeper in my spirituality, I need to do these things also. I need to have special fasts and I have to you know, know how to treat my body, uh, perhaps you know, abstain from things and, and starve myself and discipline you know, and all of these things. Then I will get into the presence of God. Paul again says, what are you doing? Why are you spending time and energy on such False teachings. It appears, sounds so spiritual. But the people that promote this, he says, have been disconnected from the head. What, who's the head? The head is Jesus. 
See, everything finds its life and purpose from Jesus. The scripture tells us that he is the head and every sinew and, and, and everything in, in the body, which is the, the church, finds its life from the head. If the head is removed, the, the body begins to die. He says that's what these guys are doing. They're diminishing who Jesus is. They're saying, well, Jesus was great. And again, Jesus gives you the entry-level experience. But if you really want to go deeper, then you need to do these things. And I, I mean, I've heard people say that to me in our day and age where they were like, you know, every Christian, we know we're saved by grace. But if we really want to mature in the Lord, then you've got to do all of these things. No, we go to Jesus. Yes, we mature in Jesus for sure. But our maturity happens because we get to know Jesus more, not because we, we try and do all of these other things. That which I just read to you was from, by Daryl Bach. And I want to say to you, we... We must be so careful that we don't buy into this thing of there's some special things that we need to do as believers. And in a time like this, I've noticed how, how people, when they're under pressure, they're looking for that something that will secure them a bit more and perhaps make sure that God is on their side and that God is for them. And, and I've seen how people go into just things that are, that are just that one step away or two steps away from the centrality of Christ. And, and, they, and they start being open and looking for what is the deeper spiritual experience and what is the, the deeper spiritual knowledge that I can have. And, and I want to say to you, there's no deeper spiritual experience than knowing Jesus. I grow in my spiritual experience. I've had amazing spiritual experiences, you know, praying in tongues. And, 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 and experiencing the presence of God. But you know, all of that's possible. Because the Spirit of God leads us to Christ. You see, if you have a spiritual experience, it must make you love Jesus more and appreciate Jesus more. It must make you understand what the cross has done for you more and how to live that practically more. It cannot be that it takes you a little bit away from Jesus and you actually need other things for your salvation and for grace and for your ability to be a follower of Jesus. No, everything in the Spirit of God, in the Scripture and by the Spirit of God leads and points to Christ and is about Christ and will get us to know Christ all the more. And often we talk about we need revival. And yes, I agree we need revival. If by revival you mean we need to grow deeper in our love for Jesus. And in our understanding of what Jesus has done on the cross and the practical reality that makes in my life today. And to make sure that everything is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. I believe in revival and may we pray and seek revival so that Jesus be exalted and Jesus be seen. But if by revival you mean we need some other spiritual experiences. We need something else to awaken our spirits. We need some other thing that we need to do and be part of that, that will awaken our spiritual lives and make us more spiritual. Then, I'm, then I begin to be careful, I must say. And I know it's a fine line, but I, I just want to say to you, let's bring everything to Jesus. Let's make everything about Christ. So that's about, about the, 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 the revelations, the special understanding and knowledge. Then Paul also writes about angels. And he says that some of you are looking for the angels, are looking for the mediators between you and God. You, you, they were literally saying, you know, I want to get closer to God. I need somebody to help me get closer to God. And they were thinking that the angels are these spiritual powers and forces that if they could get in the good books of the angels and know how to speak to the angels and know how to, how to command the angels and work with the angels, the angels will help them get closer to God. And Paul says, what are you doing? That, that stuff is nonsense. Again, you've got Jesus. The very fullness of the deity of who God is. The complete package. The, the whole deal. Why would you not go to Him as your mediator to get you to be closer to God? 
and rather go to some lesser being if you've got access to the full deity of who God is. We don't need mediators. There's only one mediator, and that's Jesus Christ. That's why I said, I stand forever to intercede for you. That's our mediator. He's the one that reconciles us with God. I don't need another mediator to get me closer to God. That, that's nonsense. That, that actually is a waste of time and energy again if I've got Jesus. And, and we've got to be so careful even in this day and age where sometimes we take people and spiritual leaders and we just may begin to overemphasize their value in our lives. And, and it's like I sometimes get concerned because I feel like Christians are, are so concerned about this spiritual leader and so elevate this spiritual leader, and they almost put a spiritual leader in the space of being a mediator between them and God. Now, I want to make a distinction here quickly but between messengers and mediators. We all need messengers in our lives. A messenger is a person that comes to tell me more about who Jesus is. That's a messenger. A messenger is somebody that, that, is, that, that we all should be, that comes and tells people who Jesus is and helps them know Jesus all the more. The church is blessed by having messengers. I, I would consider myself to be a messenger. My job is to come and, and, and through the Spirit teach the Word of God so that through that you can know Jesus more. And I, I'm thankful for the role that I can play in people's lives where I can live my life and my passion and my love for Jesus. And hopefully that stirs in you your love and passion for Jesus. And if I teach you the Word, it helps you to get to know the Word better for yourself so that you can know Jesus for yourself. But I, I just want to be so careful that even as a, as, a, as a leader, I never get between people and Christ. But you see, I think a, a good messenger, if I, if I use that word, is a person that is see-through. Through them you see Jesus. But they, they begin to disappear almost. You, you don't fixate on them. You, you see them, but you see Jesus through them. And it's great for me when people appreciate the role that I play in their lives. I mean, it means a lot to me. It's, it's so valuable when people thank me for leading and you know, all of that. But I, I just never want to lead in a way where people are so vi I'm so visible to people that they don't even see Jesus anymore. On the other hand, you get mediators. Mediators are too visible. They become a bit opaque. And you start because they're they helping you to see Jesus. But eventually they become so important that you, you don't need to see Jesus anymore because you see them. You follow them. You love them. You see, the difference between a messenger and a mediator is the more time you spend with a messenger, the more you love Jesus. The more time you spend with a mediator, the more you love the mediator. And it's very subtle how it creeps in. And the more you follow that mediator and you want to know what the mediator says and, and what the mediator does and what the mediator drives. and what Because if I know the mediator, then my life will be successful. No. Jesus is all we need. We point to Jesus. We want to be messengers of the gospel. Messengers of the hope we have in Christ. And, you know, and that's why... Just to be honest with you, I, 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 I don't want to do this Louis Kortzer Ministries International. And, and, you know, and then I have these, this club membership almost, where if you pay 300 rand a month, I'll, I'll send you a word. If you pay 1,000 rand a month, I'll send you a word and a prophecy. If you pay 5,000 rand a month, then I will send you a, a book, a word, a prophecy. Uh, it's like, and I, I just find those things dangerous because you start putting a person in the place of Jesus. And you, and you think you're following Jesus because you're following a person. 
Again, people are very important. I'm thankful for spiritual leaders in my life that have helped me know Jesus more. I wouldn't have known Jesus if there wasn't certain messengers in my life as I know him now that helped me, that encouraged me, that challenged me, that inspired me, that taught me. But at some point, it becomes about Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Or do you love the things about Jesus? Do you get to know Jesus? Epinosis. Know him yourself more fully, more completely, experientially. Taste, touch, feel, see. Are you involved with Jesus? Or the trappings, the other things. And that's what Paul refers to here. Then the last couple of verses and then I'm finished. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Paul was saying that be careful of these leaders, these teachers that come, and they actually make you dependent on them because you have to do what they tell you to do so that you can become spiritual. And they, they reach back into all these teachings and these fancy you know, rituals and everything, and they make you dependent on them. We need to serve our leaders and honor our leaders, but we must never become slaves to our leaders. We must never become people that are dependent on our leaders. And if you know, we can't get to, to our faith and our spirituality without them. That's what he's saying here. And then he talks about this false humility, this false spiritualities. And what he's really saying is, why would you settle for the false, for the fake, if you've got the real? You've got Jesus, the full deity of God, the complete spiritual experience. You've got Jesus made everything available to you. When you became a child of God, he says, everything I have belongs to you. You have the fruit of the Spirit. You're tasting the fruit of the Spirit. Why would you go into trying to deal with your sin through rituals if you've experienced the transforming power of the Spirit of God, the washing of the blood of Christ, the complete forgiveness. Why would you try and add laws and try and externally look like you're holy if you can be completely holy, transformed on the inside? Why would you do that? Paul is saying, you've got everything you need in Christ. So don't go down. Don't live down to the elemental forces of this world, the wisdom of this world, the teachings of this world, the laws of this world, the rituals of this world, when you can go up. You can live up to Christ. And that's what Jesus made possible. I don't have to scratch around here. You know, I'm, I'm soaring as a believer. I'm free. There's a freedom in me. I'm free in Christ to live a life that pleases God, that is holy. I'm not free to do what I want. I'm free to live the life that God wants me to live. And that's become possible because of the working of grace and of the Spirit in my life. Why bind myself to other things and scratch in the dirt again? That's what Paul said. So I want to encourage you. Don't live down. Go up. Go up. Go to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that by your spirit and your word, I can know you. I can know you. I want to know more of you. Next week, we're going to continue on. But I want to say, so far, we've spoken about digging deeper 
and going up in Jesus as two of the strategies that Paul gives the Colossians to say, you are under pressure, but if you do this well and continue in this way, you will not only survive the pressure, but you will thrive. I want to say to you, you may be under pressure because of COVID-19, economy, relational things, social challenges, whatever, your education challenges, what does the future hold? Whatever is putting pressure on you right now, I want to say to you, dig deeper into who Jesus is and be lifted up in him. Be set free in him. And you will see how God will transform your life to not only survive, but to flourish and be fruitful. Let us pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us so much. That you have come, as Jesus has said, to give us life and life in abundance. Not a, 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 a life of hoping and, and just being positive, and, but a life of knowing, a life of real life with you, a life that is free, a life that is filled with peace and joy because we have been made right with you in Christ. We have everything we need. Help us, Lord, to be not to be captured and to be abducted and to be hijacked by false teachings and thoughts that will subtly just try and keep us down and not to see us free in you. I pray for every person, every single person that may be experiencing whatever type of pressure, that right now there will be a lifting of their head, there will be a standing up in their spirits, and that they will say, thank you, Jesus. You are more than enough. I have everything I need in you. And that they would bravely step forward and allow you to help them and teach them how to live in these times for your glory and for their fruitfulness. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I trust the words encouraged you. If you want to respond, if you want to connect with somebody, perhaps you've said, I've been trying the way of religion and been trying so hard, but I want to know Jesus. Then get contact with us. The, the information will come on your screen right now. And there's people waiting to pray with you and connect with you and help you in that journey. It's been amazing to be with you today. We love you lots. May the Lord just bless you. Bye.